This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Courage Cast. I'm your fearfully and wonderfully made host, Eric Nordoff. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> uh, we're having fun here in the studio. I am sitting across the room from the most gorgeous woman that I've ever seen and will ever see in my entire life. She is a Dove Award-winning songwriter. She is has a beautiful voice. She intimidated me the very first time I ever heard her sing. And because she talks like this, but she sings like this, but not like a man. She sings lower. Anyway, I am grateful to have not only all of these qualities in this person in this room, but I'm most thankful that she is my wife and the mother of my three children. An amazing woman, Chrissy Nordoff. Welcome to the Courage Cast. Thank you, Courageous E. Say that again. Thank you, Courageous E. <laughs> I can't believe we've done 307 episodes and I've never had you on the podcast yet. Well, you I forgot. Have. You forgot about it. No, I did have you on. A couple, we did a series of things. Yeah, I did a series of three podcasts with you. Yeah, but that was sort of... Sort of well, we did many others too. We when we went to um, to Wyoming and to we were cli- remember we were climbing. Yeah, we went on that trail up yep. the in um, what is that Yellowstone called? or Glacier Glacier National Park? Yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but and of course we've done many podcasts together. You're breathing right into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, <You're> everyone. <laughs> Whoops. You're breathing. Right in. <laughs> Whoops. It was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. I'm not polished. No, it's okay, but you can't hear yourself on the headphones. Oh, yeah. That's part of the problem. <laughs> um, anyway, so, we, yeah, we have, we have talked, and we've done many podcasts together. Yeah. Faithful Wellness podcast mm-hmm. about doTERRA, essential oils. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're here to talk about, because I wanted to, you to share. You've never shared this specific story, the origin story of the Dove Award-winning song, Your Great Name. Mm -hmm. If many of you listen or go to church, you may have heard and worshipped through the song, um, Your Great Name, which Natalie Grant made popular and uh, won a Dove Award in 2012. But there's a whole story there. So what I'd like to do is I want to talk about that story I want you to share that story, Uh and then there's more to the story even now. Yes. So why don't we start from the beginning? So Your Great Name was written out of many experiences. And in fact, you know, a lot of people think, you know, you write a song like that and it's an overnight, like, success. And you get calls. And you get calls and this call is going to have to wait. Jared from Trebekah. Was it someone important? Oh, Jared from Trebekah. Yeah. We need to take that call. Okay. Okay, so we're back from our call. Yes. Nothing we're waiting t- on a scholarship call. Yeah, nothing too We're urgent. waiting to see. It wasn't as big of a news as we thought it would no, be. No, we'll make that announcement if it happens. Okay, so where were we? 
Okay, your great name. It took, you know, oh, people think, you know, it was sort of an overnight, like, thing with that song. But really, there were, there was a lot of years of experiences that poured into those lyrics and melody, you know. So, um, I guess it really started when I was sick with Lyme the first time. Um, I went through a lot through that process. I, um you know, basically the first few doctors thought I was crazy. Um, you had a hard time figuring out what was going on with me. We were barely, you know, five years married at that point. Yeah. You know, and I just, I didn't know what, this was the first time we had ever encountered something. Right. That was this serious Lyme disease. Right. So yeah, I, we, I was, I had my doubts, like whether you like thought what I was you were, crazy. I didn't think you were crazy. But I definitely was skeptical because I'd never experienced this before. I was, you know, 20, 27 years old or so. So it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it was a rough time. And I really was seeking the Lord through that time. Because Actually, I was 31. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Were. Anyways. Yeah. I was really seeking the Lord because I didn't know where else to go. I felt like... um it was just weird. Like Lyme wasn't well known. People didn't know what it was. They didn't know what to do with it. You look okay on the outside. You know, there's a lot of weird things that come with Lyme, but I knew something was majorly not right. And I remember crying out to the Lord and couldn't sleep one night because I was in a lot of pain and twitching and tingling and all this stuff going on in my body. And it just really disrupted sleep. You know, you couldn't even really sleep. So I got up and I was on my floor of our old house, our first house, mm -hmm. um, on the living room floor and just opened my Bible up to a page and found this verse that said, um, this sickness is not fatal. It's an occasion to show glory by glorifying God's son. So I sort of tucked that away in my heart as I'm not going to die from this. Like he's going to heal me from this and give himself glory somehow through this. So I went through 18 months of antibiotics and um, it was a rough time. And we got to the end of that. The doctor said, that's all we can do with antibiotics. So um, we're going to take you off and see what happens. If you get better, consider yourself lucky because mm -hmm. most people don't. If you get worse, our next um, therapy will be IV antibiotics. And at the time, we had two little boys. Let's remember, 18 months yeah. of antibiotics. Right. That's not just like a passing statement. That's 18 months of removing all uh, had wheat and sugar and dairy. dairy everything. I didn't have sugar for a year and a half. You changed your diet completely. Mm -hmm. And we all changed our diet. We all yeah. got skinnier. Thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Lyme disease. Um, so anyways, yeah, it was a lot of transition. I felt like the Lord told me I needed to do my part and he would do his part. And I, my part was exercise and learning and researching about diet and all that. And I did all that. Um, researched about Lyme as much as I could try to learn, you know, what helps. So I did a lot of work um, during that time researching and Ultimately, I came off the antibiotics, I started getting worse. And my sister called from Michigan around that time and said, hey, our church is doing this healing service. They only do it twice a year. I just want you to pray about coming up. So I'd been listening to Resurrection Life in Granville, Michigan, their pastor, Dwayne Vanderklok. 
I'd been listening to his healing CDs that she had sent me. So it was his voice speaking these healing CD or sorry, healing scriptures to instrumental music on CDs. And so that was playing all the time. And I was speaking those out loud to myself. And so I knew his voice, like I kind of sort of studied him before I got there too. But I felt like the Lord said, get a plane ticket, I'll meet you there. Like this is this is a step of faith kind of a thing. And I grew up very conservative. So we didn't really pray for healing in the churches I grew up in. So it was something different. Um, so it was a big step of faith for me. So we went and I got prayed for and I, I couldn't stand up. Like I was knocked out on the floor for probably at least 30 minutes crying. But I felt simultaneously, I felt this power rushing through my body and um, and it felt like electricity and love at the same time. And I heard God say that was just my fingertip in that moment. So I came back home and I think you remember me calling you and just saying something changed Yeah, at that service. Like something's different. I can't even describe what happened, but this was November of 2004, I believe, right? Or 2003, 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first tick bite that I got was in 99 when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. So this is a long process getting to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long journey. So anyways, within two months, I got back to the doctor and he gave me the clear, right? Yeah. Of Lyme. He said, symptoms are disappearing. I think you're you're healed, basically. Yeah. And... Um, and this and our doctor, we we had to go to Missouri, right? To see there was him. no Lyme doctor here anywhere, and and they all thought you were crazy that Lyme wasn't here. They all insisted right. Lyme was here and was not here, and so we had to go out of the state to to go there, right? Get some help. Yep. Yep. And we went back there what, maybe four times, probably. Uh huh. Yeah, and they still have not um, recognized Lyme in Tennessee. They just recognized it in Alabama. So the tick bite that I got in Tennessee that gave me Lyme was from 1999, almost 20 years ago. Um, anyways, so all that happened. Then I came home and I just had this burning desire to pray for healing. And there was a little boy in our home church um, who had a terminal illness. His sister had died previously of the same terminal illness. And then he was born with it, basically, or came down with it. Um and he was not even two years old yet. He was maybe 18 months, something like mm-hmm. that. His name was Noah. And I saw, for really the first time, I saw our church like step up to pray for this little boy. And it was kind of a big deal. And um, this was the beginning of 2008. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, so the, all those years, this song was brewing, right? Mm-hmm. Um saw this little boy and I prayed for him. We kind of sang over him. Um, we got to know his family. It was a big investment, um, in this family. Ultimately, um, there was one week we had a service for him and really prayed and that was a huge deal. And then the following week, almost exactly to the hour he died. And when he died, I just saw this fear come in to hearts about praying for healing. Yeah. In our church. Yeah. Which, obviously, I mean, that would happen. That is easy to understand why that's happening. Um, So because of that, I just, 
I was broken, but at the same time, I knew the Lord says we need to pray for healing. We pray for healing, not because of what we see, but because of who he is. And because he says that's what we need to do every time. And so um, I just sat down at the piano and, and it was my way of processing what just happened in light of the truth that I knew that he was. And so I began basically going through things in my heart. What are the things that I know to be true? What does the Bible say? And that's when the verses began to come out. Lost or saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The fatherless find the rest at the sound of your great name. So those type of lines began to come out. Death has died. No, that's that's mercy tree. Um <laughs> Well, there was, Jesus, you're yeah. thinking about the chorus? No, no, no. I'm thinking about the other lines, too. Oh, all the weak find mm-hmm. their strength at the sound of your great name. Yeah, Actually, souls. feed was, on grace at the sound of your great name. Ultimately, that last line of the verse says, the sick are healed, the dead are raised at the sound of your great name. Yeah. And um, was kind of inspired by Psalms, too. There was a Psalm that I'd, I'd been singing through Psalms, and I still do that. Um, just learning worship that way, learning how to worship. And there was a psalm that kept repeating, but his love never fails at the end of everything. And that kind of poured in. Um, and then ultimately, Michael Neal helped in writing that chorus yeah. and the bridge. And, you know, he's a great, um, he can look at the landscape of a song and see what needs to move. And um, he just added a bunch of great stuff. So tied it up. He was our worship leader at our church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that so that's how that's how was, your great name was written. That was how it was written, mm-hmm. and you were actually never together. He, he, you just gave him the verses, right? Right, and 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 we just had never. We knew it needed to say Jesus. You knew it needed to say Jesus, mm-hmm. but we weren't sure exactly what where to go from there. Yeah. Right. So Michael really we had some of the bridge lyrics too. Bridge lyrics, and, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he just really shaped in the right spots. Yeah, it was yeah. great. So then he, um, so then you you did it. You performed it at our church, not you, but the the church performed. Yeah. It. So um, there was an album that they were recording, and that was the first time I didn't sing a song I wrote. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know I wasn't going to until the night that we did it for right. that live recording. So um, I was very pregnant at that point and I had had some kidney stones and that was known, you know, so that, that could have been part of the picture, but, um, they called the song up and someone stepped out to sing it and it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of felt my heart, um, sink at that point. And I heard the Lord say, just sing in the choir and watch what I do. Just let go. And so that was the first time um, watching that come back that I'd ever heard one of my songs like that in mm-hmm. that way. So I was in the choir, and by the end of that first verse, the whole um, congregation was on their feet. It was powerful. Yes. It was a powerful moment. Yeah. And there was, we just knew in that mm-hmm. moment there's something on this song. Yeah. And, um, and the Lord used that to release me into songwriting that I didn't have to be the one to travel, mm-hmm. be the artist performing these songs, but that he could use my heart at home. Um, and others would take the song and do the traveling Yeah, and I could stay home with my baby. Yeah. So that was a, a huge blessing to me. Yeah. So, so all that from there, 
Natalie Grant received the song. It became, you know, a top uh, 30 worship song in churches around Mm -hmm. the country. Um, And it's still incredibly popular today. As a matter of fact, Cutlass just released a version of Your Great Name, which is an awesome, like, um, more rock version of that song. I love that version they did. They did a great job. It's really cool. So, but there's more to the story. Yes. That happened recently. So let's dive into that. So um, recently, my sister and I do a ministry called Brave Worship. We took 15 writers to Scotland, girls, um, and we wanted to do a historic and revival tour as well. We teamed up with Ray and Denise Hughes. We just had an amazing experience, but part of that included, um, I came over with some of my family lines that sort of ended around the 1800s. Actually, it was might have been closer to 1600s. I need to look it back up. I can't remember. I think it was seven, at least 1700s. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty far back, but that was my first, um, you know, ancestors that traveled to the U.S. Like it went back to the ones right before they traveled, sort of. Yeah. Um, we had four lines running through there and, um, the first day we were in Edinburgh, Ray was telling us about the Covenanters. So John Knox was one of the Covenanters, but there were about a hundred of these men that basically um, were willing to lay their lives down for religious freedom. So at the time, there was religious mandates being thrown out, and there was a, a book of common prayer that they could only pray from that book and those types of things. Right. And these Covenanters believed Jesus was their king, and they believed in personal religious freedom and they fought for that Mm -hmm. um a lot of them were martyred for that Mm -hmm. including a man named james guthrie um who led the covenanters after john knox died um and we were standing on the street corner in edinburgh on the royal mile and we're hearing these stories about james guthrie and i looked down on my family line and i had a james guthrie And my James Guthrie was a little bit later time-wise than this James Guthrie. So I didn't know if he was talking about my family or not, but I was standing on the spot where he was martyred, James Guthrie. His head was cut off in his hands, and they were posted on the city gate for 27 years as a reminder why not to cross the king. Wait, wait, wait. For 27 years? 27 years. They posted his head? Yeah. His head was there for 27 years? Yes. In his hands? Yeah. That's disgusting. I know. It's gross. Oh. So they um, wanted to remind people what not to do, which is rebel <laughs> against the king. Obviously. So, um, so yeah, it's gross. And they have what they called the grass market, which is where, obviously, they sold grass and, and things like that in the early days. But um, they had a podium where they'd make announcements. And mm-hmm. then they also had this little stand where these covenanters would stand and give their last words. And you can literally read James Guthrie's last speech if you go online and search it. Wow. It's pretty amazing and selfless mm. um, what he stood for and what he did. And he was then killed right there on the street. Um, there's right there on the on the corner of that street, there's a stone with all the names listed of the martyrs that died right there. And his mm. is the second name on that stone. Mm. So ultimately they were buried in a mass grave in um, Greyfriars Church uh, Cemetery, which is right around the corner. Greyfriars Church, ironically, is the same cemetery where all the names for the Harry Potter book characters came from. Mm -hmm. And then also right behind that church is Harriet School, which is what Hogwarts is um, modeled after. But inside of that very church is where the covenant was signed. It's Mm -hmm. still hanging inside the church. And then out in in the graveyard, you'll see above the mass grave, um, 
you know, it says here lies the covenanters and it talks about Jesus. And anytime it talks about Jesus, his name is in bold. It includes things like Jesus, lamb and king on that gravestone. And we're standing out in that um, grave graveyard. And my friend Lisa said to me, Chrissy, that would be weird if you're related to that guy, because all the bold names of Jesus right there written on that mass grave are in your song, your great name. Mm. And um, I was really shaken by that. So uh, we got to the end of our trip and we were in Stirling, Scotland, and there's a castle there and we had a great day and there's a cemetery there. And we got to the end of that day and Ray said, Chrissy, did you have a Samuel Guthrie in your family? And I said, you know what? I'm not sure if we had a Samuel or not, but I'm going to Google it tonight. So I got back to the room. Within three clicks, I found my Samuel Guthrie, or sorry, my James Guthrie, um, son of Samuel Guthrie, son of William Guthrie, son of James Guthrie, the martyr. Mm. So come to find out, it was true. He was my 11th grandfather back. And um, the truths that he spoke, I then understood to be the same truths that I write into my songs. Mm. And, um, you know, the word says that the Lord will bless us through a thousand generations. So our family is definitely included in that. I mean, we're pretty close, so we should get a lot, right? Right. Um, (laughs) But I talked to Ray that night, and Ray happened to know because he'd been in in Sterling six years previous preaching at a a conference at a church. Um, He happened to know about this little church, and that was the church where he announced his grandson being born um, because he was there the day he was born. His grandson's name was Guthrie, um, named after James Guthrie. And then the lady that was um, attending the conference said to him, one of them said, did you know James Guthrie built this church? Mm. The original James Guthrie, the martyr. Mm. So he rushed me to that church. We had a little bit of time that morning. We got to walk through that church and it was a sacred, holy, holy moment. Um, And I got to sit at the front of that chapel on the grand piano and sing your great name out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, I also forgot to mention, I sang it out loud on the spot that James Guthrie was martyred right before I knew for sure that he was my grandfather. Um, because I just felt like I needed to continue proclaiming the truth that was in him. Mm. Um, and so then we also got to go to Sterling cemetery and look at that monument there. That was, um, James Guthrie in that cemetery. Mm. So anyways, it's just been a beautiful full, full circle moment for me. Um, really coming to the realization of why, there is so much in me that I, I couldn't explain. And the motto for the Guthrie family is, we stand for truth. <laughs> now, you know me. Um, and so that's why you're laughing. But that is me to a fault. Yes. I'm truth to a fault. Yes. Um, and also Guthrie means strong wind. It means wind or gust and then strong voice. Wow. So... A gust or a wind of a strong voice is what Guthrie means. A strong voice mm-hmm. standing for truth. Yeah. Does that describe me? Yeah, that does. You have very high justice <laughs> leanings. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But <laughs> I, I come I by it honestly. With, I can't get away with anything around here. <laughs> I know. You can't. But I can't help it. Like I've I've come to realize 
Like that's in my blood. That's who I am. And it's not just me from this generation. It's like the blood, the same blood that ran through the veins of James Guthrie is still running through my body right now. Mm -hmm. So when people talk about, I'll praise your name forever, um, Ray was sharing with us, that's what it means. It means you pass on that heritage of worship and truth and praise. You pass that on to your children and then they keep going with it and they run with it. Mm -hmm. And then their children run with it. And then there's after that. So um, I'm just really thankful, and it just gives sheds new light on why I wrote that song. Yeah, uh, in a deeper way than I ever could have known before this trip. Yeah. Um. So there you have it. The real story behind your great name. It continues on. Yeah. It's awesome for a thousand generations. Yes. I love it, Chrissy. That is that is great. We have it documented now. We we have the stories mm-hmm. behind your great name. It's not just one story. There's multiple, multiple stories of why that passion rose up inside of you, why that desire for for speaking the truth, mm-hmm. standing for truth was in you a long time ago, um, decades ago, when you were going through this Lyme disease stuff and mm-hmm. you saw people, you know, retreating rather than moving forward, marching forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you thought you had Wallace in your, in your history. And we thought we, we do were too. We haven't to, checked that out yet. We haven't checked it out yet, but you thought you were connected to William Wallace, of course, Braveheart. Right. Which I could see you being just like that. They're, those Scottish were very stubborn, weren't they? <laughs> it's not Scottish. It's crap. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> anyway, powerful stuff, Chrissy. Thank you for sharing that on the Courage Cast. I hope it encourages you, the listener, to dive into your your background, genealogy, your, your genealogy, and look up your ancestry and and see what's there because mm-hmm. there could be some rich spiritual. Go claim there. your blessings. Yeah, I love it. It's there for a thousand generations, mm-hmm. all the way back to Jesus, all the way back to to the beginning of time, beginning of creation. There we are. Thank you, God. (laughs) I don't even know. Thank you, God. (laughs) That's how we're going to finish. That's how we're finishing. (laughs) Thank you, God. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Courage Cast. Thank you, Chrissy, for coming on this podcast and finally sharing these stories. Yes. Thanks for having me, Eric. Anything courageous you want to tell the audience while we finish? Before we finish, as we're finishing. Be strong and courageous. Don't give up. That's a verse. I don't know where. I love it. 